Welcome to another episode of Hoosology. I am Justin Goodrum, joined by Matt Thomas. What's up, man? What's up, Justin? How you doing, man? Good, man. Just uh, moving and trying to keep up with the uh, NBA playoffs. So just trying to do, you know, five things at once with the moving and then also keeping up with the NBA since this is uncharacteristic for, for this time of year. Usually it's football and um, you know, baseball's headed towards their, their postseason, but uh, the NBA is squeezing its way in there, so that means I have to, of course, pay attention to it. How are you, man? I'm doing well, man. I am I am relaxed coming off. We were just talking before we started the podcast here, just coming off a, a fishing trip uh, here in state close by. Uh, nothing too crazy, but man, just really was energized getting outdoors, catching some rainbow trout, and uh, excited to... Uh, be back at this, back here with you, and excited to see the family again, of course, and all that good stuff. But uh, yeah, I just had a really great time last week doing that. Awesome, man. Well, I think we have a lot to discuss as normal. Um, so we're going to break down the Miami Heat. How about that? Um, they, I don't know, made me look like a fool. Um, they're headed to the NBA Finals. Um, they will face the Boston Celtics. Um, and really a great series. I'm not sure if you able to catch any of Game 7, but um, that was a, a really compelling um, kind of climactic game between the Celtics and Raptors. Celtics came up on top, um, and so they'll face the Miami Heat. So we'll talk about that. Um, we'll break down another Game 7 between the Denver Nuggets and L.A. Clippers. One more game away from my prediction coming true with the Denver Nuggets <laughs> going to the Western Conference Final. I hope I'm right on that. So we'll break that down. Um, we'll break down what's next for the Houston Rockets. Um, and we'll see if you think James Harden will get a pass considering the pandemic and considering you know the circumstances surrounding this season, or do you think the Houston Rockets will be subject to a lot of criticism? So we'll break that down. And we'll break down, uh, of course, another controversy, of course, what's another week or another controversy uh, concerning John Wall. So we'll discuss that also. But first, some housekeeping issues. Get in touch with the show through Facebook and Twitter. Um, just type in Hoopsology and email us at hoopsologypod at gmail.com. And also leave us a review on iTunes. That really helps us out. Um, that's your thoughts on the show, uh, positively or negatively. We always love your feedback, so please uh, make a note of that just on iTunes if you check us out on those platforms. And we're available on Spotify, Stitcher. Um, we're on Google Podcasts, iTunes, Anchor, um, all your favorite podcasting apps. So, man, let's talk, get into it. Um, a surprising um, Eastern Conference um, finalist with the Miami Heat, uh, led by Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero, the rookie. Um, they will face the Boston Celtics, coming off a grueling game um, seven um, against the Toronto Raptors. So I guess I want to ask you, first from a Miami Heat perspective, uh, why do you think the Heat were able to pull this off? Do you think... You know, people, especially at the Heat, I mean, it's very possible they can go to the NBA Finals. I don't think that's insane. If they happen to, you know, go to the Finals, and who knows where at all, um, is it going to be considered a fluke? Or do we have to really take Jimmy Butler serious? Because, I mean, you don't have to, I mean, Matt, you know I'm a homer for the Bulls and Jimmy Butler in particular. <laughs> um, I've always been a huge believer in Jimmy Butler, despite his personality. I think he has a lot of the same care. I don't know. I, a lot of kind of the similar baggage to someone like a Kyrie Irving, but he wins. Um, I mean, granted, I mean, it sounds just so sounds stupid. Kyrie has a ring, Butler doesn't. 
I mean, but look who Kyrie played with. Um, but seeing Butler on teams that had many issues, I mean, he his track record's pretty good, um, despite all the drama. So I guess in, in your opinion, is it time to consider Jimmy Butler one of the elite players in this league, considering, you know, he's four games potentially to go into the NBA Finals with a team that many people thought were going to get bounced in the first round, well, I mean, the, the salary that he commands and uh, and has earned certainly indicates he's an elite-level player. But sure. I think, in my opinion, I will be ready to say that once he gets this team to the NBA Finals. And I do have, spoiler, I do have a pretty good feeling that might be the case this year. Uh, I, I think, you know, you you have this heat culture that is, has been... I don't know if you've checked Twitter this week, but that's one of the (laughs) main storylines in the NBA is hashtag heat culture, heat nation, all all this stuff. But I actually kind of buy into this. I I think Jimmy Butler found his fit finally with this Miami Heat team. And I think that's that's what we've seen that has happened is, is he just gels really well with the culture that Pat Riley has built with the Miami Heat. Uh, I mean, over the past nearly two decades. Um, and and I think that's that's the main thing that's going on here and that's that's driving the success. I mean, yes, I think you could call it horrible luck in Giannis's case, but good luck for the heat that, you know, the injuries didn't uh, fall the bucks way with with Giannis going out with that ankle injury, of course. And that may have been something that he had been dealing with the entire series. Um, but you know, Giannis just wasn't able to carry the Bucks team and the, the heat were, were just playing better. I mean, just kind of almost like a smash mouth basketball kind of thing. They just really took it to the Bucks and the Bucks couldn't match their intensity. So, um, I think, you know, Jimmy Butler has talked about his background. Twitter this week has, has been all about his background and how he got here, how he was, he was homeless through many of his teenage years, how, you know, he's always been about work ethic and not looking back too much on the past and everything, regardless of how you feel about Jimmy Butler. And I know a lot of people don't like him because of some of the drama from the Timberwolves and the 76ers and that he kind of bailed on those situations. Some people think, Um, I think he has found a perfect match with with this Miami Heat team I don't know are do you feel so so long story short to answer your question I'm not ready to put him as an elite tier player until he gets to the NBA finals uh just for me personally so if he gets there this year I I will definitely be putting him there how do you feel about that do you already think he has passed that threshold I do um just based on now, elite, it's really tough to say, right? Um, just in terms of you know keeping everything, you know, in in perspective, in terms of what you consider an elite player. I mean, look so at should, somebody like. Oh, go ahead. I, I'm sorry. I'm just going to say, should we define that as maybe like he can be your number one guy on a title team? Is that is that was, a fair way to put it? I would say so. I mean, would I consider James Harden an elite player? Would I consider Russell Westbrook 
an elite player, those guys haven't look at Westbrook's playoff success, right? Pretty terrible. Um, But he has better stats than Jimmy Butler does. And so does James Harden. But yeah, look at their struggle. Um, So it's, you know, certainly regular season does matter. I think I don't, what bothers me with people is like, oh, you want to discount the regular season. Um, You don't take it too serious, but it's, but this is a, the object is to win the championship. And with a lot of elite players, like somebody like a Charles Barkley, he takes a lot of crap because he doesn't have a winner title. But Barkley made the NBA Finals. Barkley was a regular in the, in the playoffs. Like, he didn't get bounced out of the first round over and over again. But yeah, and he was a regular he, in the MVP discussion, too. Exactly. So I, I think with Butler, I don't know, maybe I'm being overzealous here. I, I don't know if I'm ready like you to put him in that elite class yet, but we'll we'll see what happens. Um, I think to me, I've seen some games where you know his scoring is not quite enough to where I'm willing to put him up there just because you know some games you need you know your top player to dominate, and I don't know if he's in that class necessarily, but when it when it matters, he, he comes up big. So. It's not too much of a stretch um, to see him there. And I want to segue with, you know, Giannis onto the combo. I mean, you know, look what happened here. He bounced early, pretty much almost got swept. <laughs> pretty much just the Miami Heat just took their uh, foot off the gas. You know, they, they got very fortunate and not getting embarrassed, you know, four games to zero. Do you think considering what happened last year and, you know, what happened this year um, is Giannis. I mean, we talked about this, you know, last week. I mean, considering how young he is, I mean, these are two crushing defeats and particularly this year. Um, Do you think we need to kind of question how Giannis is being framed? Because people are saying Giannis is the best player and elite player ready to proclaim him, you know, the heir apparent to LeBron, but certainly these two seasons, um, do not look kindly on him. Yeah, I'm not ready to go there with Giannis simply because when you look at superstars, when you look at um, your Michael Jordans, your LeBron Jameses, your Kobe Bryants, you see these guys start to have their success when they hit their prime in their late 20s. And so so you've hit your athletic prime probably in your your mid to late 20s, but then you also have this period of time historically in the NBA where you kind of learn how to win, learn how to navigate the playoffs, learn how to conserve yourself. We made a lot of comparisons, or or at least I did, to Giannis with LeBron's young Cleveland years. And I think this exit from the playoffs to a much more veteran, much better coached team, sorry, Coach Bud, but it's true, um, you can make that comparison to almost like a LeBron being overmatched in the 2007 NBA Finals when he was just totally outclassed. I mean, let's be honest, the Cavs had no business being in that NBA Finals. They shocked the Detroit Pistons that year and then just got spanked by the Spurs. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, LeBron, but it's true. But, but it is an accomplishment in itself for them to get to the Finals. Similarly, Giannis, I mean, they, they had this great success, of course, being the number one seed. He has all this talent that he's shown one criticism of his game that guys like Bill Simmons, other people as well, other NBA analysts have said is 
he doesn't really have like a, a finishing move or a go-to move at the end of games. So that's something he needs to develop. He needs to, um, well, I, I mean, also you could argue just that the team was not structured for playoff success as much as regular season success. And that's been another criticism of coach Bud. I mean, when you think of his time in Atlanta, that certainly was the case. Uh, with him being the one seed in the East at one point, and then that team really, I, I believe it was a second-round exit, if I'm not mistaken. So there's history here. I think Giannis probably will end up needing a new coach to help him grow, and thats I don't think that's going to happen this offseason. Um, and he's hes just going to have to further mature. I mean, he's hes only 25, I guess, long story short, and most of these guys really blossom in – uh, 27 years old, 28 years old. Well, that's true. Um, you know, he's take he took some heat this week, no pun intended, for whatever <laughs> for what happened. Um, I guess getting into the predictions in this series, man, um, against the Boston Celtics. Look, I mean, the Heat are fresh. Had all those days to really relax. You know, scout the Celtics, and you know, Boston's coming out a grueling hard series against the Toronto Raptors. Uh, how do you see this shaking out against them? I mean, it's basically rest versus, you know, being in a frame of mind of playing competitive basketball uh, each game. Um, and and travel's eliminated. You know, home court's irrelevant. Um, how do you see this one shaking out? Yeah, I, you know, so I, to be honest, caught a lot of these games um, as recaps rather than seeing in the moment since I was out of town fishing and all that stuff. Um, from what I saw though, I, I really didn't feel so my impression of both the Celtics and the Raptors kind of was lowered from how I had talked them up going into that series. I really felt it more made me feel bullish on the heat because of the momentum that they just rode through that. And I, I felt like a dummy for not picking them in that series with, you know, I had predicted Milwaukee in seven and I really liked the heat to give them a challenge. I, I wish I would have just gone all the way with it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, with the Celtics and the Raptors, I mean, for one, I had the Raptors coming out of the East and in, into the NBA finals. Uh, so was really disappointed that Siakam couldn't step up uh as, as much as the Raptors needed him. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I also was kind of disappointed in the Celtics too. I mean, it, it kind of felt like they just stumbled into winning that game seven to me from what I saw. And, you know, correct me if I'm wrong uh, from what you saw. Uh, I mean, of course, Marcus Smart had that terrific block at the end of the game. That, that was amazing. Um, and they rightfully won that series. But I, I didn't find myself all that impressed with Tatum, all that impressed with Kemba Walker. And I, I, I just see the heat riding all this momentum into this series. And, you know, if, if Marcus smart can D up Jimmy Butler, then all bets are off. Of course. I mean, that, that's a, like one thing you could do to definitely derail the heat team. Uh, But, you know, I, I just don't, find the Celtics all that impressive at this point. It just kind of feels like they're sputtering out, but I don't know. What do you feel about this Celtics team? You might have a better sense of it than I do. Yeah. I, I look, I think ever since they got, you know, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and even Marcus Smart, who, you know, I, I admit, you 
you know, I'm not the biggest fan of his personality. Um, I think he plays hard. He He's made some huge plays. I think he's one of those guys, again, you know, if you're going to win a championship, he's a guy that you need on your team. Um, I, I do really like those two guys along with Kimba Walker. I think Kimba Walker is the key to this team. I think when he plays well, usually the Celtics play well, but he's so sporadic. Um, I just think they have more weapons than the Miami Heat, and I think they play just as good as defense. I mean, I don't know. You wouldn't have known it, you know, with Toronto necessarily, but they're capable of it. I don't know. To me, I trust the Celtics more with Jalen Brown and um, Jason Tatum along with Marcus Smart's three-point ability and with his defense. Then I do to Miami Heat. I just think the weapons mm-hmm. are just too much. Um, yeah. So um, predictions-wise, I'll pick out of respect Boston and six. Um, but you know, kind of all bets are off. I mean, again, with refs, it's so different. Um, and you know, that the normal, you know, you get to kind of chill and go. I mean, I think we're used to such a long period of time between these games, just because of travel and everything going on. But with the bubble, it's totally different. So I really like the Celtics in this series. And again, you know, look at with Brad Stevens, the pressure's really on him. I mean, the Miami Heat have no pressure. They lose, but it's a nice miracle run. That's what they do. Um, and they look good, honestly, for getting a free agent. Um, but for the Celtics, there's a lot of pressure on them. So um, I think the desperation is certainly going to be on in this series. Yeah, it's interesting. I I don't really have a sense of who has more pressure in this because Jimmy Butler just turned 31. I think today or yesterday it was, uh, Goran Dragic is, is pretty old. So when you look at like the age of the heat roster, I mean, certainly Bam is young hero obviously is a rookie who has just blossomed in this playoffs, uh, which he's been incredible for the heat. Um, but I, I don't know with the veterans being so much older on the Miami Heat, um, I do feel like there may be more pressure in the on them in some ways. I, you're you're correct in definitely that, like from a media narrative, nobody thought the Heat were going to be here. Nobody thought the Heat were going to beat the Bucks. Really, uh, very few people picked the Heat uh, in that series. So, um, so I, I think you're absolutely right in terms of like media pressure and what would be the greater disappointment. I think there may be some internal pressure from the Heat to like, Hey, we might not have another chance. Like if, if Philadelphia can bounce back, I mean, they are young in, in some respects. I mean, with their star players, uh, although sometimes Embiid feels pretty old as, as we've talked about, um, well, that's true. the, you know, the Bucks. If as Giannis blooms, I mean, there's no guarantee that the Heat are going to be able to take them again next year. Should they match up with them again? So, uh, so this may feel kind of like a it's now or never type of moment. Um, but you know that that's hard to say. Um, so, I mean, I'm actually going to go the other way, which uh, okay. is great. We'll get to see. I, I'm going to go Heat in six. I I just cool. really okay. feel this Heat team. I I will state my bias. I. For an East Coast team, I, I've always loved the Miami Heat, even since before LeBron was there. Uh, so I am biased in that respect. But I I just like what I see from this team. I like how hard they're working. I do think Coach Spolstra is a better coach than Brad Stevens. I know not a lot of – well, some people might not agree with that. I agree that. with that. I agree with you there. I do. 
so I think they may have better schemes for Boston. I do think you're right, though, in that I I think Jimmy Butler may be the star of the series, but I think players like two through five, the Celtics probably have the clear advantage. Um, I mean, Tatum is right underneath Butler. Then it might be Kemba Walker. Then it might be Jalen Brown, or you might switch those two. Um, so, so I guess, you know, for a playoff series, even though the heat roster is pretty deep, I think there's more talent in a deep roster on the Celtics squad on the Celtics side of things. So, so I'm nervous about picking the heat in six, you know, to be honest. Um, but I'm going to go with it because I, I also feel guilt about not just outright picking them over the Bucks. So I got to make up for that. I got to give them some respect, but you know, it, it wouldn't shock me it wouldn't be preposterous at all if boston wins this in six games like what you predicted gotcha do you have any more thoughts in this series or should we move on to the west no i'm just curious to see what i i think if the celtics can slow down jimmy butler i i think that's really gonna hurt the heat um and so i i think that's the key to the series and someone else from the Heat is, is going to have to step up in a pretty significant way. I don't know if Dragic is going to be able to do that. Uh, I don't know if, you know, Hero being a rookie, I don't know if he's going to look as incredible at times as he looked in, in that Bucks series. So I don't know. This is, this is where the pressure gets notched up, and, and a lot of players have been saying that. I, I think some of the Heat players, I saw some quotes about them, I think Jimmy Butler actually saying, you know, there's no more easy games. There's no more easy basketball in these last eight games, uh, which is kind of funny given he doesn't have a lot of experience in these in these games uh, from this point on. But um, but that's absolutely right. So it it could very well be an easy win for the Celtics if Marcus Smart is is able to beat him. I mean, there's some volatility there for sure whereas the Celtics are more balanced. But anyway, I'm probably talking in circles at this point. I, I'm good to move on if you are. Yeah, I am. Um, and to the West, uh, you know, certainly another team smelling of desperation is the Los Angeles Clippers. Um, in particular, I think Paul George. Um, Gosh. And headed into this game <laughs> seven, we've seen really kind of his kind of descent in the rise of Jamal Murray. Um, so how do you see this? Series playing out because you know a lot of people similar. I think even more than the Milwaukee Bucks had the Clippers in the NBA Finals winning the title. Um, yeah. Do you see? I mean, again, this is a Game Seven situation. This is we know with Kawhi, he's a proven commodity. We've seen it, you know, over and over again with him. Is there any room for the Nuggets to possibly pull off the upset? Um, I'm certainly hoping so. I picked them, so I'm picking them to win Game Seven. Despite um, my prediction of them going to the you know Western Conference Finals and into the NBA Finals, um, how do you see this series playing out? Oh man, yeah. So this is this is tomorrow night. So some of you will be listening to this uh, the morning before this game hits. Um, this this is such a tough call. Again, very volatile because of the way the Nuggets play. If Michael Porter Jr. goes off, that could be a winning factor for the Nuggets. If um, Jamal Murray more likely goes off, you know, that that could be enough to push the Nuggets over. The Nuggets have a lot of weapons here. You and I have talked about kind of their balanced offensive attack. I, 
I picked the Clippers to win this series in five games. Um, and I'm, I'm really glad that Denver has made me look like a fool in that regard. Um, it, it could go either way. I will say that as, as much as I'm pushing for you to get your pick right, my heart of hearts <laughs> tells me that I have to pick Kawhi Leonard in a game seven just because of what you. we saw last playoff run. Um, you know, kind of Ric Flair, you got to beat the man <laughs> if you want to be the man. Woo! That's true. So I, I'm going with that for my pick. I don't feel good about that because I'll just state my bias. I don't like this Clippers team. I think Paul George has hurt his stock tremendously this playoffs. I, I think anyone who's been watching would agree with me on that. Um, and I just I don't know that Paul George is going to show up for this game, but I do believe Kawhi is. I do believe Patrick Beverly will. Not that he's going to chip in all that much necessarily on offense unless he goes – crazy from the three-point line um but it's it's Kawhi in a game seven so i have to pick that until he goes down i do think denver could do it though i i do think there's real potential um i, I so i guess to give like a little more specific i'm gonna go like 70 30 in favor of the clippers winning it i i do give denver a decent shot to pull off the upset um what what insight do you have about this? I know you feel much more bullish about Denver, obviously, as, as we've just mentioned, than I do. Um, how do you see them pulling this off? Are you sticking with your prediction, I assume? Um, how do you see this playing out? Yeah, I think I am. Um, I personally think just, you know, looking at it, Michael Porter Jr. is going to be a huge key in the series. I think he's been sporadic, but, you know, He's played well. Um, I think he is going to be the X factor. Um, at the same time, I think if Paul George, you know, plays phenomenal along with um, not only Patrick Beverly but Kawhi Leonard, I think it's over. I really, I do think if Paul George can get his head in the game, I, I don't think that's enough for the different Nuggets to match. So, but at the same time, I don't know. I'll stick to my prediction. I like the Nuggets, you know, in Game Seven. However, I mean, that's the, really the ball is in Paul George's court here. Um, if he can really manage to pull himself out of his funk, um, I think that the Clippers, despite everything going on in this series, could still be the favorite to, to win the title. Um, however, that's a big if. And in this bubble situation, you know, it's not the case of it getting better, but getting worse. I don't necessarily see him snapping out of this, so I really do um, like Denver in this game seven. But we'll see. Um, again, even um, you know, a game six, they had a good point. That was an early game, especially for a you know prime game like that. That's early in the day, and Van Gundy was saying, you know, he loved early games, but some players hate him. I mean, it kind of depends. It's all over the map, and you know, you, you, he said he said. In the first five minutes, the clip, sorry, the Nuggets were ready to play. They were playing aggressively. They had more energy, and the Clippers were very lethargic out there. So, I mean, again, speaks to kind of, especially with the kind of veteran team, when you have Patrick Beverly, Kawhi, and Paul George, when you're lethargic in a game six, like that's a warning sign, like with all those veterans out there. So, I don't know. I like the Nuggets, but again, Depending if the Clippers really show up, I can see them blowing them out by 20 points, too. 
So we'll, mm. we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, the Clippers have looked lethargic, I mean, really since maybe the second or third game of the bubble, maybe earlier mm-hmm. on than that. They've been really disappointing. Um, they're, you know, you and I talked about early on, like a couple months ago, not really noticing that in the first game or two, even though I had heard reports on another podcast. And forgive me, um, whoever you are, I can't remember the reporter's name. Um, wish I could give credit, but he was saying that he saw this this lethargic nature to the Clippers. And we didn't see that at the start, but boy, it, it has certainly been apparent in the playoffs, if if nowhere else. Um, let, me, let me ask you this, because I don't know that by our next episode, we'll be able to follow back on this topic. Um, what do you think the hit is to this Clippers team and maybe specifically to Kawhi Leonard if Denver pulls off the upset and makes you look like a genius. What, what do you think the impact is to this Clippers team? Is there a sense of like blow this up already? Is there a sense of like at the end of the season last year, everyone, well, not everyone, but a lot of people were saying Kawhi Leonard is the best basketball player in the world right now because of his incredible playoff run. Do you think that's off the table for him if he loses here? Um, I'm sorry to ask you like five questions, but what what do you kind of get the sense as the impact if the Clippers lose here as heavy favorites? Um, Kawhi, not that much, just because his credibility really rose with the, rose with the Toronto Raptors. That was a huge series for his legacy. So I think with the Clippers, especially since he's been there a short time, it's not going to hurt it too much. I think it's going to damage Paul George a lot more. I think he's going to take a huge hit for this. Um, but for why, I don't see it being that much damage, to be honest. And again, I me from Ron, this is Kawhi's, you know, first season there. So, you know, look at, let's just compare this to Miami, right, with the Heatles. I mean, who took the damage when my LeBron went to Miami that first year? LeBron did. Dwayne Wade won the title. So I think in a similar situation, Kawhi will get somewhat of a pass. He has numbers. He's played well. You know, his production's been pretty solid um, yes. as compared to Paul George. So Paul George is going to take the brunt of the, of the blame for this, um, unfortunately for him. But, you know, at the same time, this is the first year. So, I mean, we got to kind of put things in perspective. This is not a team that's, you know, been together five years and, you know, they've come up short every year. I mean, this is their first year as a team. So, you know, with more cohesion may come, you know, them being a lot more dangerous. But, you know, we live in, you know, we live in this world, Matt, where people want results immediately. So, you know, the blame's going to go on Paul George for sure. Yeah, I think that's a, a spot-on analogy there. I mean, comparing them with, with the Heatles and how that went down, uh, I could definitely see that playing out that way because Paul George has been the scapegoat this whole time. I mean, every, everyone, Charles Barkley even, making fun of the name Playoff P, as we've talked about before. Um, I, I think that makes perfect sense. I wonder also, you know, what what happens with... Um, Doc Rivers' reputation as well. I, I think um, there's there's maybe kind of a sense that Doc Rivers is stuck back in the 2010s um, as far as like his coaching and things like that, or 
how, how much does he really coach? How much of a handle does he have? How much is it just this roster is pretty loaded this year? Um, not to say that I think his job is in jeopardy or in anything like that, but um, but I also wonder if there will be some blowback about not getting a roster that looks like this out of the second round. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I you know, full honesty, I'll be rooting for Denver to get that upset. I want you to look like a genius, but yeah, my heart of hearts, I think Kawhi will step up and, and we'll have enough in the tank here. Yeah. Well, we'll have to see. I, I think again, we have to consider the pandemic too, right. And how this took effect on Paul George. I mean, I mean, George's not going to play in a bubble, right. Every year. So that's something to consider as well in terms of, kind of the long-ranging consequences of this. I, I don't see any changes coming with the Clippers, and I do think they'll get kind of a pass for this season. I think, you know, next season they're likely to take a lot more blame, but, you know, this season I think it's going to be seen as kind of a mulligan as compared to something like, you know, the Rockets, to which, you know, it's been year after year after year and failure after failure after failure. You know, changes have to be made. Um, I think with the Clippers, um, despite Doc being there, I mean, look at with, this team is completely different compared to you know the Blake Chris Paul years with DeAndre sure. Jordan. So I think time, some patience will be warranted. But you know, we'll, we'll, let's have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, there were maybe only one or two years where you know the Clippers with Chris Paul and Blake Griffin were kind of picked as title favorites or title hopefuls, like very, very likely they'd get there. I think this team has more cachet than that, more um, predictions of winning that title. But, but yeah, I, I think you're right. I think, you know, Steve Ballmer has been pretty patient in the past as well. And I think he's been pretty vocal in his approval of Doc Rivers. I mean, he could have, uh, gotten rid of him, you know, about two or three years ago when, when things were breaking apart with the Clippers and he's stuck with him. I mean, he, he certainly reduced Doc Rivers role in, in like GM aspects of the team and, and things like that. But, um, but I think, you know, he, he's kind of a steady hand as an owner, certainly uh, more so than the uh, person they had owning the team beforehand in Donald Sterling. <laughs> so uh, this team's in a great position overall, but I, I do think there'll be um, a little bit of a panic, um, you know, mostly, mostly from the media, maybe not internally, if they don't advance at least to the Western conference finals. Yeah, I, I think there, there'll, there'll be panic for sure. I think what's going to be interesting is just how, how does history remember this year, right? Um, in terms of the rest of playoff history, so we just don't know. And even next season, right? Because it's going to bleed over. Let's just say there's a cure tomorrow for coronavirus. You know, I, the schedule's so screwed up that everything's going to get pushed back. So we're probably going to be playing basketball well into the summer, into the fall. So you know, again, next year's playoffs is going to be different until we get a new, you know, paradigm or the schedule goes back to normal. So it, it, could, it could go, you know, 
one or two ways, you know, negatively or positively. I just think with a player like Paul George, it, it's tough. And it's a situation where for him in particular, there's, it's not, this environment's not really conducive to his overall, I think, mental health. You can see it's just taking a toll on him. And even though, you know, I've kind of been on his case, along with some other people, I would like to see some more, you know, evidence with him on the Clippers before totally like, you know, casting him out <laughs> and labeling him as just a failure, you know, because this is an extracurricular circumstance. Um, it's, it's a, it's a lot of just pressure in a kind of, you know, confined space that you have a limited outlet. So I don't really necessarily think it's all the way fair to just totally label Paul George as this kind of choker or as this kind of, you know, postseason failure, at least with the Clippers yet. But at the same time, if he continues to struggle like next year, I think there's something to it, like James Harden. I think there's evidence to say that James Harden is not a player to really rely on on the playoffs. And I think Paul George could be headed down that same path. Uh, see, I, I feel like Paul George is already there way before James Harden. Yeah. Um, hmm. Okay. Sure. Given, given that we have some success in Indiana, although game, game seven was pretty bad for Paul George, um, we have that track record in OKC um, for, for that year that he was there. Um, and then we also have, I mean, this year, I, I think it's big that, you know, Clippers are title favorites by most of the media, I would say, maybe, maybe split with the Lakers and Bucks, um, you know, yeah. at the least. I think a lot of people have the Clippers over the Lakers, especially at the start of the season. Um, so, you know, I, I just feel like, um, look, and, and again, I'm not saying blow this team up. I think this team is well-constructed and I'm not saying all the blame certainly goes on Paul George. No, that's not true. Um, you know, cause the other players on this roster had to step up too. Kawhi's been there. He he's, I feel he's kind of been waiting around for the other guys on the roster to get there. Um, you know, Paul George has had good games. He's had bad games. He just hasn't been as consistent as I think people thought he was going to be. So some of, some of the criticism is definitely overblown. Uh, some of it, I think, is warranted. I wanted to ask you, because you've mentioned a few times, like, Paul George's kind of mental health in this bubble. is Has it been widely reported, and maybe I've missed this, that he's just kind of struggled in the bubble scenario more than other players? In terms of, like, um, mental health, that kind of thing? Because I, yeah, I certainly well, am not trying to pile on him in, in that regard, you know. No. Well, he said that, you know, reading here... You know, here's the quote from August 26th. He said, quote, the bubble just got the best of me. I was in a dark place. I wasn't really here. I checked out. Um, and then this is kind of him against the Dallas Mavericks. Because um, he had, you know, three bad games. Let's see if I can block it for the quote here. Um, he said, gosh, stupid pop-up water. Um, he basically said that, you know, he underestimated his mental health in a, in a, in a nutshell. Um, that's tough, you know. Um, him trying to 
battle all of these kind of external factors along with being in the bubble. And, and, and it's something that you, it's easy to underestimate, right? It's like, you know, these guys have massive egos, as they should. And, you're, you know, you're going in a situation in which, yeah, I'll be gone three months, I'll be pampered, whatever. It's all good. But you get there, you're in isolation. You can't leave. Um, you can fish and you can do all this other activities all you want to. But the bottom line is that you don't have totally free will, even though they said you can leave the bubble. But ultimately, you have to be quarantined when you come back. So it's not total freedom. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just it's taken a, it's taken a toll on him. Um, it says that he's battled depression and anxiety. Um, so it says here. Um, so that's why I'm saying, like, this year, despite, you know, railing on him, I think this year it's, it's somewhat of an outlier. Um, at the same time, like you said, Matt, he has a track record of this, you know, not just this year. I mean, this is not a situation in which, oh, well, he's been awesome in his previous performances. So I, I, I just think looking at the stats, we've seen a lot of players actually excel oppositely, you know. Um, TJ Warren, you know, we've seen Jamal Murray, you know, even Luca. I mean, granted, Lucas was already off before he got in the bubble, but, you know, he's, <laughs> again, great numbers still. Damian Lillard, same thing. We've seen players, you know, the bubble hasn't really, we've seen more players have amazing stats than struggle. Um, and I think even somebody like a LeBron who was labeled as struggling in the bubble, it wasn't like he was horrendous and playing terrible. So I think, Again, you know, looking back on this, you know, three to four years, and I know that's not how Twitter works, but, you know, having some historical context, we'll be able to really look at this better. Yeah, for sure. And it, you know, it's complicated. And part of the reason I asked that is, you know, I, I also want to be able to just kind of compare, like, if, if I didn't know things that are different for him compared to other players in this situation, um, you know, I mean, certainly, like, you've got to take care of your mental health, obviously. Um, you know, and, and it is a very unique scenario. Um, and, you know, you would just hope that that these teammates could bond together and get each other through that. Um, you know, hopefully now that it's second round and the players can have their family and some friends with them on the bubble site, hopefully things are getting better overall for those players, of course. Um, but you know, I mean, playoffs is, is always adversity. You'd think, you'd think, um, you know, I mean, of, of course, isolation and again, depression and things like that. Awful. Definitely. We need counseling and help for that, you know, seek help always if, if you're feeling those types of things. Um, but in some ways I, I would think, and, and my guess would be that the improved performances maybe overall, or at least for some of those, uh, scores that we've seen, like you bring up Damian Lillard, Jamal Murray, guys like that. Uh, you know, I think some of that is less fatigue from not having to travel from place to place. Uh, so it is interesting that, you know, maybe it's had, um, maybe because of mental health, maybe because of other things that we're not aware of, it's, it's had maybe the opposite effect on Paul George and I'm sure some other players as well. He's, he's not alone in this. He's not alone in, voicing displeasure in being in the bubble situation. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's interesting. And, uh, you know, I, I never like to see a guy 
choke in in any situation. I mean, I just don't think that's something that we should ever root for as sports fans. So, you know, I've I've said that, you know, just earlier in this segment that I'm not the biggest fan of this Clippers team. I would like to see them lose to Denver, but I wouldn't like to see that because of a Paul George choke job. I would like to see that because we just see a great game of basketball and the Nuggets come out on top. Yeah, for sure. Um, we'll, we'll see, you know? Yeah. Um, for the good news about Paul George, that, you know, it's not all on him. He has Kawhi Leonard. So, and oh, yeah. Know, hopefully, a great supporting cast. So, you know, we'll have to see how it plays. I'm sure it'll be very exciting to um, check out. Um, moving on to a team that we just talked about earlier, the Houston Rockets. They're definitely out of the playoffs. And pretty much we've seen already Mike D'Antoni abandoned ship, um, trying to test out free agency. Already rumored, um, I think, um, for some jobs already. Wow. Um, let me just see real quickly. You know, he's out as head coach. Um, he's being rumored to be, you know, interviewed, um, you know, with him and, you know, Billy um, Donovan here um, for the Philly job. Um, right, this guy has a killer job. agent. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, I, looking at it now with the Houston Rockets, this small ball, um, you know, we've seen a lot of people be excited about this form of basketball. Just, I don't know. I'll give you my thoughts real quick. I'm just not sold on James Harden. I just think seeing the evidence, clearly him and Westbrook are just, not in that elite category compared to we have Damian Lillard really literally killing himself, <laughs> you know, expending all his energy trying to, you know, will his team on to the playoffs. And then you see somebody like, you know, James Harden, you know, struggle. I mean, it's abundantly clear that, you know, you know, James Harden is just not on these guys' level. So, where do the Houston Rockets go from here? I mean, granted, the head coach is gone and whoever they put in there. Um, is it time for Houston kind of to part ways with James Harden? What do they do in this situation? Do you just kind of, are you guys going to ride this? Do the wheels fall off? I mean, if you're the GM of the Houston Rockets, what do you do? Yeah, this is kind of a, a nightmare situation. You have to kind of wonder if Daryl Morey is about to be out the door as well uh, yeah. because of him being able to construct this, um, you know, it kind of, kind of felt like a plan B option. Like they wanted to get rid of that Chris Paul deal. Oddly enough, it seems like it, it still would have been a much better team had they just kept Chris Paul, um, on, on this roster, even going the small ball route. Um, but you know, injury injuries happened and, uh, they, they really were close to beating the Warriors, um, if, if not for, you know, that Chris Paul, I believe is a hamstring injury that kept him out in that series, uh, towards the end there. Um, so the, this team is in, in some sort of rebuild in, in some way. I mean, you can't go through a whole nother season with small ball. It, it's kind of shown itself to not work in the playoffs already, you know, this is kind of the counter to the Milwaukee Bucks, counter in, in that they're the West Coast team that is a regular season team and not a playoff team uh, at this point. 
Um, you know, Milwaukee, I think, obviously has a lot brighter of a future with Giannis uh, as that young MVP. Um, and James Harden is, I believe, 31 as well. Um, uh-huh. We talked about Jimmy Butler being 31. James Harden is, is not young anymore. He's, he's 31, um, you know, and, and he's a guard. And we, we've talked about before how, you know, guards don't typically age as well as maybe like your wing players or maybe your power forwards. Um, so, you know, this, this team needs, well, obviously we'll find a new coaching direction. I think that Mark Jackson has been thrown out as a name. I I would actually, as someone who roots for the Rockets, I would love to see them get Mark Jackson because I think after D'Antoni leaves your team, you need more of a defensive identity, uh, than Uh he provides, which, you know, granted he had assistants that worked on their defense and, when they still had Clint Capella last year, they had actually a pretty decent defense. They were, they were kind of middle of the league, middle of the pack, maybe even uh, top ten leading into the playoffs last year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so they need a big in free agency. They they need pieces um, that can make them a more complete team because this is an incomplete team right now. They need to figure out what they're doing with Russell Westbrook. They need to try to make a trade to get him off this roster, even if it's an unfavorable trade, um, even if they need to eat some money from an expiring contract or something like that. I think they should try and float Russell Westbrook to the Knicks. Uh, I think they should, they should try and push that as much as they can get maybe a young asset um, and maybe take on a bad contract or two. If they can Um, maybe make it a three team trade of some sort to make that happen find another terrible contract, maybe even look into a three-team trade, you know, get Westbrook to the Knicks, maybe take on John Wall, I I think would maybe be a better fit than Russell Westbrook at this point. I know that sounds crazy to say. We might be talking about John Wall in a minute here and some crazy Uh shenanigans he was involved with. So maybe given that PR hit, maybe you could get uh, some more back for being willing to take him on. We know he has a terrible contract as well. Uh, that some have called untradeable. Um, so, you know, it's complicated. I, I don't think this Rockets team is going to win a title with James Harden on the roster. I don't think James Harden is going to win an NBA title being the number one star on a team. Uh, and I don't I don't care if he gets traded. I, I think he is under that mark. And that's crazy to say with his MVP-esque numbers over the past few years. But Again, it's it's just been proven now for four or five years straight that this is regular season production and not much in the playoffs. I mean, older Spurs teams have schooled James Harden in the playoffs. He he, you know, got a bad bad matchup this time around in drawing the Lakers. Let's be honest. I mean, the Houston was not expected to win this series, and um, but I also think people thought it would go further than five games. Uh, so, so definitely a huge disappointment, but again, I have said a lot there. I I want your thoughts on all this too, though. I mean, what are some things you think the Rockets could do? What are your predictions for James Harden? I mean, personally, I think the Rockets will try and hang on to him at least because of his production. And maybe he's kind of a a draw for them in that way that, Hey, at least, at least this guy's putting up numbers. Um, but what do you think the future is of this team? What do you think they need to do? Um, I think it's very clear James Harden, you know, needs 
a different number, you know, a complimentary player to him. And I think we've seen him improve. Like, his defense has improved yeah. a lot. I think clearly he wants it. I don't think it's not anything of a lack of desire, I would say. And I'm not sure what the Houston Rockets should do, man. I think when you invest in a superstar, it's kind of like you're all in on him. Like, oh, either yeah. this or nothing. I mean, as I saw it with Derrick Rose, right? Like, there's a situation where he won the MVP, they went to the finals, and then, you know, the next year he gets hurt. And then, you know, it falls apart and you're finished, you know, until you draft again or you get another superstar. So if I'm the Rockets, I would say, how do I make this team work with James Harden and Wessel Westbrook? Um, I just think you have to do that until there is no alternative. Um, I, I know that this, it, it seems, you know, counterintuitive in, in terms of the whole James Harden, you know, choker story. But at the same time, if you kind of trade them when they are, after, when they have the maximum trade value, you're basically starting over. I mean, you're you're starting from scratch again. And, you know, who knows what happens when you get these these different pieces up. So if I'm the Houston Rockets, I I just try to appease James Harden and see if he can make this team work with some other pieces with the free agent market and everything else. Um, you know, but at the same time, you still think for with Daryl Moore, I do think his time is running out. And I see him being taken out and replaced before I see James Harden or Westbrook trading. Yeah, I I just kind of feel like they they need to do everything in their power to get Russell Westbrook off the roster, um, even if they have to take a loss on that. I've I just don't see these guys coexisting. But to your point about you know keeping James Harden happy, he he was the one who kind of gave the thumbs up on this trade for Westbrook. He really didn't vibe with Chris Paul. I mean, there are clips. Obviously, Chris Paul has a history of clashing with players, um, but he he really didn't vibe with Chris Paul and so kind of gave the thumbs up um, for this trade. Uh, I mean, there, there are some good pieces around here. Um, you know, for like these kind of like Eric Gordon, for example, fits very nicely with James Harden. Um, you know, Austin Rivers even was able to contribute pretty meaningfully this year to this Rockets team. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I was trying to look up here how many years uh, James Harden has left on his contract. Um, you know, he's he's 30 years old and. I, I just think um, they'll probably end up keeping Westbrook to keep him happy if if he's that committed to him. Um, but I, I think it's it's a mistake uh, on on their part, and I don't see them going anywhere. I see this team maybe getting worse next year, um, especially without mm-hmm. Dan Tony, depending on you know who that coach is that comes in. Um, so I don't know. It's it's a mess. This team is not bound for an NBA title anytime soon. Uh, it may be long after the James Harden era that, that this team becomes a real uh, threat to, to win a title, uh, which is disappointing because the Rockets have been in limbo for a long, long time. <laughs> for sure. Um, let's move on to our last story. And that is with John Wall. 
Um, you wouldn't think he'd be necessarily in the news. Um, as we all know, the Washington Wizards are terrible this year. But nevertheless, he gets caught in this bizarre story um, of him throwing up gang signs in this kind of viral video that's really taken off. And um, I'll, re- I'll read you um, this story here from CNN. Um, it says, quote, um, John Wall is apologizing for throwing up gang signs. An all-star guard for the Washington Wizards was attending a New York City party Saturday evening. You know, one thing is with the pandemic, why he's attending a party, but that's the hero there. Um, he was recording flashing symbols with both hands. Video of the gestures surfaced Sunday, prompting Wall to apologize via his Twitter account. Here's his quote. Um, this is September 13, 2020. Um, first and foremost, I want to apologize to my family, my teammates, and all of those that have always supported me while wrote adding i made a mistake something i regret i will continue to work hard to be better on the court and more importantly off the court so man like what do you what do you make of this i think this is you know pretty stupid judgment um i don't i think it's very immature but you know john wolf not a kid anymore um yeah he's 30 yeah these are high school antics you know, yeah. I don't really know why, you know, he's, you know, flashing these gang signs. It's pretty ridiculous. Um, and not to mention him, even though he had up at this party, I don't know how many people are there, but um, I I don't know what the league's going to take action upon. I'm not exactly sure. I don't know John Wall's, like, gang history. I'm not privy to that. Um but overall, it's a bad look for the league. It's a bad look for him. It's like it's just stupid. I think, as I say before, when you are a public figure, it could be you know a news reporter here in Albuquerque, or you could be you know an elite athlete. You know your privacy goes out the window. You know every time that you go out to the you know it could be the grocery store, take out the trash, anything. People can have a camera on, and you. Unfortunately, your anonymity goes out the window. There's John Wall, the garbage truck guy. Who cares, right? Like, no one's going to care about John Wall and the garbage pail guy, you know, you know, displaying gang signs. But instead, this is John Wall, guard for the Washington Wizards. I mean, people are going to care. So, overall, he's exercised poor judgment. However, I don't think it's worth, like, totally persecuting him for what what do you make of the story yeah i don't i don't think there should be any action taken against him as far as the league i i think it's um you know it's it's something that i think the league probably finds embarrassing it's it's an image that they have tried for a long time and and done a great job of getting away from a lot of that is just the you know the the quality of, of people on these nba rosters um, you know, I mean, these are, these are smart, affluent guys. Um, and so I think, I think that really shines through. Um, and this is something that's, that's a bad mark, a, a bad look for the NBA, NBA, even though, uh, I would say it's, it's not indicative of NBA players as a whole, of course. Um, so, you, you know, the, the funny thing, and one of the reasons that I wanted to, to talk about this. And, and one of the reasons uh, we listed as a topic, I wanted to bring this up is 
I, I don't know if you remember this. Um, and uh, by no means do I consider Colin Cowherd like a basketball authority. I, I think a lot of his basketball takes are, are pretty weak and pretty weird um, and out there and, and sometimes just really off. But one of the things that, that he was ripped on for a long time was when John Wall entered the league after being the number one draft pick. Um, I can't remember what year that was. He, he said, um, I I want to say 2006, maybe it was 2007. Apologies. I can't remember. But anyway, John Wall's first game, he came when they introduced him, he did the Dougie, which, which was a funny dance. Um, you know, it, it was kind of the, the fad of the time. It, it was nothing, nothing dirty, nothing vile, anything like that, but just kind of this silly dance walking onto the court. Uh, am I accurate in saying that? Correct. Yeah. And he had, yeah. he had his own dance too. I used like flexing his form. That was something like he did at Kentucky. That was, I don't know that yeah. he was known for that type of dance as well. And so Colin Cowherd basically said, I'm out on John Wall opening night. I'm out on John Wall. Yes, you can call that very judgmental, but but that's what Colin Coward said. He said uh, this guy is immature. When Magic Johnson, you know, played his first game as a rookie for the Lakers, did he do some silly dance of the time going on the court? No, he was there for business. That's now you true. can say that's kind of like an old man take or whatever you want to say, um, but you know, I I think he probably feels some validation in, in that video coming out. Not that, you know, he's, he's also said at times like, Hmm, I'm second guessing myself. Cause he heard about some charity work that John wall was doing. He's certainly done some, some good with the fortune that he's been able to build in the league as a lot of these players have. Um, but you know, I, I do imagine he's probably maybe smirking a little bit seeing this video come out. And and yeah, I think you were spot on with with your comments about the whole situation. I think it just shows immaturity on John Wall's part. Uh, it's it's a bad look for him. It's it's a bad look for the league in a way. Unfortunately, even though I don't think it's indicative of the character of this league, I, I'm confused by the gang signs as well. Um, as as you mentioned, I don't. I don't really understand, and I don't know John Wall's history with that, if, if he even has history with that or what, but it's, it's confusing. But I did also see some highlights of, of him that he has flashed those signs before during games. So it's, oh. um, it's strange. I, I don't know. That's, that's really all I can say about it because I, I don't know deeper into it than that. Yeah, it, it's strange tra- it's for sure. Shows bad judgment again. Just if you're a public figure, you just have to be careful, and you just have to be mindful. Of, Tell your you friends know, not to post that video. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And not only that, it's just <laughs> you know, look at the, you have random people. He's John Wall. They're gonna take videos of you. Um, yeah. Just have to be you know mindful of your judgment. Doesn't mean you can't live your life. Doesn't mean you have to stay at your house and do nothing. It's just common sense. Should I flash these gang symbols? Probably not. <laughs> it's, just, it's, not it's not brain surgery here. We're not trying to, you know, save lives or do anything. It's just, you know, you're in a public setting. People have all these camera phones. Now you just have to be smart. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Totally agree. Did you have any, anything else, Matt, before we wrap it up this week? Man, I, I think we're, we're good here. Um, 
you know, exciting game seven tomorrow with Denver and LA. I, I'm curious to see how this podcast <laughs> sounds in, in another two days or so, once we know the result right. of that. Um, but a, a lot of great NBA action coming. Um, Real quick, I guess one more thing, and we don't have to spend a ton of time on it because we don't know who the victor will be. But just looking at the Lakers versus these two teams, because there's already going to be a game or two played by the next time we podcast. I mean, who do you like in Lakers versus Clippers and who do you like in Lakers versus Denver? Oh, boy. Um, Again, this is another situation. I think you know my thoughts on this. I... Uh, I, I think a lot of these teams overall, I'm, I'm just not too enamored with them being a title contender. I never understood why, like, the Lakers were this massive favorite. Um, at the same time, LeBron had a good point. Like, he was saying, you know, this is, I think it was the game that they beat the Houston Rockets, or maybe the game before, something like that. You know, he's like, this is our eighth game together. You know, we're just trying to figure it out. But yeah, we're trying to figure out the, the kinks and everything. I will say Rondo's a huge difference. Rondo in the playoffs, mm-hmm. that is a difference maker. Somebody that is irrelevant in the regular season, and really he's taken over um, this this year. Um, I've been really you know impressed with that. I think I don't know. I, I'm going to stick to my prediction. I, I still like Denver. I think you know if Denver makes it. I kind of do like what they have defensively. Um, at the same time, you know, the Lakers, they're gigantic. They're huge. I mean, yeah. that size is just kind of unstoppable, and it's just hard when you have all that size on the interior and a seven-footer that can, like, you know, shoot threes and play in the post, not to mention LeBron. It's just a matchup nightmare, not to mention Dwight Howard and Jabel McGee. Um, you're not even counting their guards. So I would say from a matchup perspective, it's a nightmare for Denver, even with Jokic. Um, I think at least with the Clippers, you know, you have those two star players that can provide that support, the counter, um, you know, the Lakers. But at the same time, I think in either scenario, I like the Lakers beating either one of those teams. Um, but I don't know. Just to be consistent, I'll pick Denver, you know, in seven against the Lakers. Um, just maybe Jamal Murray comes up big or something like that. Sure. I hope so. I hope so. Um, but it's just awfully tough to pick. Um, just to pick really any of those teams against against the Lakers. What do you think? Yeah, you know, I, I've been up and down on the Lakers. I, I think at the start of the bubble, we kind of talked about how they don't really feel like a title team, as you were mentioning just then as well. Um it's it's been a weird fit this whole time, and it felt like they really were able to come to against the Rockets, which was easy for them to do with the Rockets being a small ball team. They're not going to have as easy of a time with Denver or the Clippers. Um, I do like them better against the Nuggets, uh, but I would I would call that uh, Lakers in six against Denver if they go against the Clippers. I'm nervous about Kawhi, but but again, I, I just feel worse about the Clippers than I do about the Lakers right now with the momentum, with how the Clippers have looked, and with this uncertainty with Paul George. So I, I would probably go Lakers in seven there because sometimes 
LeBron has been apathetic like the first two games sure. of the series. So I, I, I could definitely see LeBron versus Kawhi going seven games. But I'm just going to go ahead and give it to the Lakers in seven in that scenario, just because it kind of feels like this whole entire bubble came together in large part, I think, because LeBron wanted to play. I mean, he, he was a power player in getting this all back together. And in kind of convincing players, I think, that they could have an impact socially uh, by continuing to play in this bubble. But I think also there, there was some, you know, selfish intent there, too, in that LeBron sees this as, you know, may, maybe one of his last chances to pick up a ring. Maybe he doesn't feel like it's the right. last chance, but it's certainly a golden yeah. opportunity for him to get another ring um, w- with them coming into this as a one seed. Um, so... Um, I, it just kind of feels like Lakers are, are destined to get into the finals this year. So uh, so I guess I have Lakers heat in the finals. Sounds like you have Denver-Boston. So this is going to be really yeah. interesting to see how that plays out. We will get to touch on these series um, a little bit more this, this upcoming weekend. We should be back on our regular schedule as, as we come back into this. Did you have um, anything else before we wrap up? No, man, that's, uh, that's pretty much it for me. Um, I think I'm looking forward to game seven and, you know, we'll see, you know, how it plays out. Certainly even from an NBA perspective, my prediction of like Denver versus the Celtics, that sounds like a nightmare for the NBA from a ratings perspective. <laughs> um, they're already hurting now. I couldn't imagine what's going to happen then, but you know, either one of the LA teams against, or even either one of the LA teams against Boston is a two huge market. So I think that's going to be a huge ratings boost, but I think yeah. Denver's the worst case scenario for, you know, I think Denver versus Miami is worst case. Um, I don't think they want that. I think as long as they have one of the LA teams in there, I think we'll be fine. But Denver making the NBA finals is just the worst nightmare. Oh, well, let's, let's hope there's no uh, sketchy officiating or anything in, in this game <laughs> seven versus the Clippers. No, I'm just kidding. Um, right. Yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, I would I would love it for the Nuggets because you know they <laughs> they had that success under George Carl. They were tortured by Melo in a way. It'd be kind of cool for this franchise to to rise, especially as a mega underdog. I think at least in terms of media perception uh, to the Clippers and the Lakers. So that'd be pretty cool from a basketball nerd standpoint. But I think you're absolutely right in in terms of the ratings. It would be a nightmare for the NBA. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, looking forward to for it very sure. much. Um, thank you all for, for listening. Uh, remember, you can keep in touch with us at Hoopsology Pod is our handle on social media platforms. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, you can check us out on YouTube as well. We will be continuing to add more video content. Um, hoping to get a video back on uh, very soon now that I am back in town and, and able to record and Justin's going to be hopping on there soon as well. Um, so we are looking forward to doing that. Um, like, share, subscribe. It helps the podcast very much. We appreciate you all very much. Thank you for listening and uh, thank you for the conversation as always, Justin. For sure. No problem, Matt. So for uh, Matt Thomas, I'm Justin Goodrum. Um, We'll see you next time. Peace.